Hello, everybody. Happy, um, as we record, I guess, happy Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, you're listening, so it's over. But yeah, happy, that team happy won. Happy weekend. The, 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 the Rams won or the Bengals won, <laughs> and that was exciting. That ending, my God, the commercials. Can you imagine the halftime show? Crazy. Um, and, um, yes, happy Kimmy weekend. I haven't watched as we're recording. We, me and my wife plan to watch tonight. I'm excited. Um, but also... And more pertinently, for the purposes of this podcast, Oscar nominations were announced a mere five days ago. So we wanted to, we had a great time last year kind of talking about B-side Oscar nominated slash winning films with our buddy Chris File, who is one half of the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast. And we were lucky enough to ask and uh, he acquiesced. Our our good friend Joe Reed is here from this had Oscar buzz to talk about kind of another batch of, you know, Oscar movies that are B-sides, right? I think it feels like a cheat to say it. Connor, we talked about this last time with Chris, but but it is true, right? Like movies get nominated and then you like go back and you look and you're like, what was that movie like? And so so so, you know, we this is the B-side for the film stage and we do usually talk about you know, uh, movie directors or movie actors and not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones they made in between. But today's a little different. And we have Joe here. It's Connor, as always, and myself. And I guess to start, uh, Joe, what did you what did you think about these uh, nominations? I mean, anything stand out to you? 2022 Oscar noms? I thought it was a pretty good set of nominations. I think the acting nominees, especially, I was really happy yeah. with. I thought in a lot of ways... Uh, different ways that those nominations could have shaken out. I think this is one of the better versions of that. I think in particular, all of the ones in best actress who I wanted to get nominated, who were like plausible to get nominated. Sure. Of course. Uh, did end up there. I was, I, my best, my favorite movies of the year, which are like power of the dog and, and West side story and whatnot were nominated. So I was happy with that. Mm. Um, yeah, I think in general it was pretty good. I like right. that they're back to doing a top 10 best picture rather than a loosey-goosey somewhere in between. I think more nominees there is better. I think you see something with like Drive My Car getting nominated. We don't know if it was number 10, but I think just opening it up to more movies yeah. gives that kind of thing more of a possibility. And I, and then, and I, yeah. I do, I mean, look, I do like that West Side Story and Dune can get nominated, right? Where you talk yeah. about... Yeah, or Nightmare uh, Alley even, right? Like just like a Nightmare Alley. That's the. Yeah. In- I mean, that was always the stated intention, right? By the Academy is like, you know, what? what when did it change? Because like, what? It was Dark Knight didn't get nominated, so people say that was kind of how that started. Dark Knight it, and Wally is sort of the. That's right. the legend of it. Is legend, that, that right. was the the impetus of it. That the the next year, because the the following year when it was uh, two thousand nine. It was Avatar, but the thing that people were mostly talking about that year, getting nominated maybe, was the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek. I remember <laughs> that summer being like, now yeah. that it's top 10, are oh we going to get God. Star Trek nominated? Can you imagine? That seems so crazy now. I mean, they did. In those retrospect, people did get District 9, though, that year. Like, that's the that thing. I it's, think was I'm the movie sure. that was like, I mean, not, not to be shitty about it, but I feel like that was the movie that was like, let's shut the nerds up a little bit. Like, <laughs> yes. You know? Like, Which is funny because, like, the nerds were you know would have been shut up i think well it's different kind of nerds who love avatar i feel like there's, sure yes it, it's like elevated nerds a little <laughs> bit um with with avatar but like that star trek got a producer's guild nomination that year like yeah. that movie Did it was really? more 
I'm pretty sure. Wow. And that was, and that would have been, I mean, talk about like, you know, forgotten. Uh, it was not forgotten, but I think like from this vantage point, it would seem weird if that had been nominated. Yeah. It yeah. already seems kind of weird that like District 9 was nominated when you now are looking back. At, oh, like, it does feel weird now. Yeah. That Neil Blomkamp's career sort of going in the direction that it went. And now you look back and you're just like, did we? need to nominate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> district nine like is that really necessary it's, probably it's not. a weird one it feels weird especially with blomkamp you're right it does feel like that. yeah um hey i always but i have a weird memory personal memory of blomkamp i watched chappie in venice on my computer the night before i proposed to my wife I have, oh no! It's, kidding. Like, it's the weirdest. Memory. Chappie like, was what I had did to, it. Chappie was what did it. I was like, nervous. Gotta... <laughs> Chappie's well, like, yeah, it was one yeah. of those things. Connor knows this. I was like, you know, nervous. Not in like we had been talking about it and you know whatever. But you know, just it was. Yeah. You get nervous. You were moment. You were you weren't unsure of the response, but it was just it was a moment still, that was. Gonna yeah, happen. you know, you're yeah. in Venice. You, you know, like, there's a whole thing, and you go like all of a sure. sudden the night before, like, oh shit, like this is here we go, like lock, lock in. Right. And so I wasn't really sleeping, and I had Chappie on the like the iTunes rental or whatever it was. And I like yeah. played it. And I remember thinking to myself, <laughs> this movie is so bad and I'm going to remember it forever because yep. I proposed <laughs> to my wife the next, the next day. So anyway, yep, thanks totally. Neil, hey, I guess that, for that. But um, that's chappy now, but so, but so yeah. So with Chris, we talked about stuff like, you know, Ironweed is the one that I remember. And that's the Jack Nicholson, Meryl Streep, Hector Robenko yep. um, adaptation of, an award-winning novel from a few years prior. I believe the movie was 87. And it was like a movie where like Nicholson and Streep got nominated, but like, you know, gun to your head if you could tell me what it was about for most people, right? That's kind of a good example of what right. we're talking about. So this year, um, we, we've kind of gone down the same thing. Connor, you chose I, my, Joshua, Joshua yeah. Logan's Fanny yeah. from 61, which your thinking was that was – West Side Story won that year. Yeah, I kind of wanted to keep it on theme, so I figured since West Side Story is nominated this year, uh, right? So yeah, sixty years I was ago, just wondering what it, what did it beat last time? You know, so. right? So, so, and you know, we'll talk. We'll start with that one because that's our oldest one, and obviously Joshua Logan's an interesting guy in his own right. And then, and then the one that I chose is the Mission, which is the Roland Joffe Killing Fields follow up from '86, right. starring. Uh, Jeremy Irons and Robert De Niro, and it's the um, Jesuit priests in South America fight for the native indigenous people movie, which yep. we can talk about. And then, um, and then Joe, you chose Richard Attenborough's C.S. Lewis biopic Shadowlands yep. from 1993, starring. Anthony, I just won an Oscar. Put me in anything. Hopkins and Deborah Winger, who plays um, uh, Joy da Davidman, right? I believe who Davidman, I yeah, believe, Davidman, yes. who was a writer in her own right, um, who was an atheist who converted to Catholicism late in life, and ultimately was with C.S. Lewis, you know, uh, in the last years of her life, and they have kind of an issue. That's what the the that's what the movie's about, and. And William Nicholson got nominated for it along with Winger. And Nicholson yeah. wrote the play that was made into a TV movie and then got made into Shadowlands, which, um, yeah, which is, yeah, look, Blue Sky could have been on here, the Jessica Lang, right? Like, there's sure. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think yep. with Chris, we talked about this, Joe, and you can speak to the this. The country. Right? The country. <laughs> yeah. a, lot of, a lot of best actress nominated films 
unfortunately, you could put into yeah. B-side categories, right? Because there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've written about this in the past. Mm. One of the things that kind of regularly irks me about the Oscars is that Best Actor correlates to Best Picture yes. so much more mm-hmm. strongly than Best Actress does. You saw that this year where none of the Best Actress Crazy. nominees uh, were in a Best Picture nominee, uh, a Best Picture nominated film. And that happens more often than you think, or it'll be like one of the one five. Out of five yeah. I remember I wrote about this when I was at The Atlantic, uh, the year of um, Wild, Reese Witherspoon in Wild mm-hmm. and uh, and Rosamund Pike and Gone Girl were nominated. And the only one in that category that year was Felicity Jones in Theory of Everything. Everything else was uh, was absent. And I was I just remember I was like, I really did f- use my fuel of being mad that Wild didn't get a Best Picture nomination <laughs> <Right>. into <laughs> writing whole. And it was just like I really kind of like dove into it and went into the like the statistics of it. And they're pretty striking. And you see that when you go back through the years with Oscars where you get a lot of Best Actress nominees who are like the only nomination from their movie mm-hmm. or like one of a couple nominations. from. I'm picturing movie. you researching that piece. And it's like the Charlie Day in front of the board. Meme oh, fully. Yes. Like, you just, just like read string yeah. all over my wall yeah yeah, yeah. yeah totally yeah i love it yeah yeah i mean it's so true and and you know i think you know because look blue sky is an interesting example because that was a holdover because um orion was it died. Uh, orion died yeah and then and then it was yeah. tony richardson's i it was the last movie right and it was yes tony richardson also died yeah they they dump it in 93 94 and she and she wins right she wins for that she like is... steamrolled that season it was the that's chris and i talk about that year a lot the 1994 best actress race because it's an odd it's sort of an odd collection of nominees and jessica lang in a movie that nobody saw like we sort of joke about like nobody saw but like really that movie was released very very quietly and very long delayed and it was not this like popular thing even among indies and she wins everything in part because her biggest competition that year was Jodie Foster in Nell which was a movie that people did see uh, but she is, had just won her she just second won. Oscar. Yeah. So, that was never going to uh, happen, right? Yeah. There wasn't really a ton of a drumbeat for her to win a third so quickly. And the other nominees are like Winona Ryder in Little Women, which is a great performance, but not something that I don't think it was uh, sort of prestige enough for the Oscars. Little Women was sort of still seen as this kind of, you know, adaptation of a very kind of popular, uh, old popular book. Um Miranda Richardson for Tom and Viv, which is totally a movie I could have chosen instead of Shadowlands. Yes. Like, Tom and Viv is the perfect example. That'll, just be, like, that'll be next uh, year. We'll do that next year. Well, I've still <laughs> never seen it. So if you have me on next year, I will 100% talk about Tom and Viv. Um, and then uh, Susan Sarandon for The Client, which at the time people were like, kind of annoyed that Susan Sarandon because she was like an Oscar fave was getting nominated for like Pot Boiler, John Grisham stuff, even though I think the client rules and I love that genre the of movie good, from yeah. like the early nineties, the, like the Grisham, yeah. the great Grisham era the Grisham of cinema. cinematic and universe. She's yeah. so, she's really good in that movie. And I, I stick up for that nomination, but so Lang kind of steamrolls all of them. Yeah. That year, and it's, and, and, and we'll start with Fanny, but just to kind of wrap it back to Shadowlands. Interestingly, wingers year, which is the year before it's a stacked nominee yes. pool right because it's yes. holly hunter in the piano angela bassett for what's love got to do with it emma thompson for remains of the day and stocker channing for six degrees of separation all i mean if any of those gals had won 
I would have thought it's a great year. It's well a really, deserved. really great year. Yep, totally. Um, and I and look, we'll talk about Deborah Winger. I think she's actually quite, quite uh, lovely in Shadowlands as well. But anyway, so Fanny Connor. Yeah. So, well, so talk, tell us about Fanny because this one, <laughs> this honestly, I mean, this is a funny movie. Uh, I was honestly, like, oh, this is the whole not movie. What I was not what I was expecting. I, if, I would, uh, like I yeah. There's a word for Fanny, and that word is slight, <laughs> slight, not much. Um, Go ahead. It, yeah, it but, is, but not short. It, no, right, no, right. No, that's, that's not the at thing. all. Long. That's the thing. I there there's a trend with I think a lot of these movies, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's an experience I had watching each one of them. Where yeah, you're right about this. Yeah. I watched for maybe what I thought was an hour, and thought. Cool. There must yep. be an hour left, and then I paused it, and I was, was like forty thirty minutes. minutes in. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. It, and this was like each of the movies, and I was like, oh my god, there's like an hour and a half left. Like what? I had that exact <laughs> same experience, except it was it was at the hour thirty mark, and I remember being like, well, we're getting ready to wrap <laughs> yeah. up this, and I looked at it, and it's fifty one minutes remaining, and I was just like, yeah, oh my god, there's so much more so, movie left. So if it makes a little bit more sense, and I'm sure you guys, because I, I, you know, I did cursory research, right? So sure, I'm sure yeah. you guys came across the same stuff, but like. It's essentially adapted from what was previously like an epic trilogy of stories. Yeah. And when you know that, it makes way more sense as to just, you know, it's literally they're just it seems like they're jamming all three of those together in one movie. And it basically depicts this sort of I I don't even want to say it depicts the romance because the romance is sort of just like a part of it. But it's basically this sort of lifelong love triangle of sorts between a girl named a French girl named Fanny, a boy, a young man named Marius. And there is a third sort of older man uh, named Panisse, who essentially is like the third in that triangle. Classic older man with money. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and the crux of it, you know, is basically Marius wants to just get out of where they are. It's like a small fishing. They're camp. in Marseille. They're in Marseille. Marseille. Are they in Marseille or were they yeah. like, oh, yep. I thought they just kept referencing. Yep. It. Okay. So he wants to get out of Marseille and uh, his father, Cesar, owns this, you know, bar cafe type thing. And he basically feels trapped. He's in love with Fanny, sort of kind of, but begrudgingly so, you know, doesn't want to show it. She's in love with him uh, very openly and when they finally kind of admit it to one another, basically when the rubber meets the road, Marius decides to get out, right? And he goes off on a scientific expedition. It takes him around the world. Now, just before he does this, they consummate their love. Fanny gets pregnant and it's Marius's kid and she doesn't really know what to do. So Marius's father, Cesar, who's... uh Charles Boyer. Is it Boyer or Boyer? Boyer, right? Boyer. Boyer. Yeah. Boyer. Or Boyer, Charles, whatever. Yeah. Charles, Charles Boyer, uh, who won? No, was nominated also. Was nominated. Yeah, was nominated yeah. for Yeah, and he's very, he's very good, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and basically, he kind of works together with Fanny's mother to be like, look, here's what we're going to do. And then they bring Panisse into the mix, who had obviously extended his affections for Fanny, despite being... 40 some odd years older than her and they all kind of basically arrange a marriage between Panisse and Fanny so that the kid will have a father and a life and all that right uh and then Marius comes back 
things get complicated. And that's sort of the movie. And and as you said, Dan, like it is slight. Like there's not a ton plot wise to like really chew on. And I think really it just extrapolates the uh the you know the life spanning I can't, yeah the, I kept, the, kid I kept wind, thinking, the kid winds up growing up a little you're not growing I, up but I, growing older I, and I kept thinking about Captain Crowley's mandolin watching this <laughs> where it was like it's a similar kind of like oh we like gotta that, cover, we gotta cover that movie on this well spot. any jet you could just do John Madden his his career <laughs> yeah. is like you know the one and then everything else um right even though I love proof so deeply but I know uh I, I'm alone on that island but like but um but uh yeah i kept thinking of that movie because even though that movie has the war as the kind of framework and i suppose that makes it a little bit more lofty in its kind of in in its ambitions i guess but it's similar right it's like it's like when when you when you parse it down it's really just this story about a love triangle and that's kind of all it is and really it's you know in the, in the case of fanny everybody's okay you know leslie karen plays fanny you know Gigi herself um you know a couple years after that and Gigi won a million oscars and she didn't get nominated which is kind of fanny feels like part of this movie getting made was was them looking to kind of capitalize uh, like to do off the Gigi again yes like they wanted another Gigi, right yeah. Maurice Chevalier was also in Gigi, like yeah, yeah. yes, exactly, uh, yeah. And he swung the, actually. The... He campaigned hard for Best Actor for this because he was like super proud of the fact that it wasn't a uh, like a song and dance performance, and it was just sort of a straight up dramatic performance. And he did, and they and they gave it to Charles Boyer instead. I couldn't find anywhere as to like whether or not chevalier was like you know pissed off about that or anything right. if there was any animosity but it's just one of those like weird things where he like he got it like he like he like right. he, he, like, he really like, went for he, it he like went really hard and i guess it just didn't, yeah didn't work but it does feel like a musical that just doesn't ever break into song so this movie. and that's like, what it is so yeah. it was a, yeah it was a stage musical in 54 and the musical was adapted from two plays, Fanny, M- Marius, and then Fanny. Those were also produced into films in 1931 and 1932. And then uh, Marcel right. Pagnol, who it's his trilogy, he did the two plays. And then the third in the trilogy is not a play. It's a movie uh, called Cesar, which is the kid. Right. right. Well, that's the other thing. Because of the Marseille setting and like the seaside setting, like you could also think about Mamma Mia, right? right. It's like sure. there's these yeah. things you think like without the music and, and look joshua logan only made 11 movies right and 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 he was a theater first guy and by all accounts kind of a tough kind of a tough director like of that age where like you know if i if memory serves like um jane fonda who was in tall story doesn't have kind things to say about joshua you know what i mean like yeah. he was like ah, one of these guys who kind of maybe wasn't the kindest to his actresses but he directed like sayonara with marlon brando and uh james garner he uh he directed his last movie was paint your wagon he did camelot right like he did bus stop with uh marilyn monroe which which actually i like that uh, that movie a lot but i don't like i don't think he was very nice to marilyn Monroe. you know it's like mm. one of these things sure sure sure, sure. And so it's so funny it's like him directing this I, I i i watch it and i think it feels like 
the safe it's like the backup guy they're like oh we couldn't get this guy so what's logan it, doing a little bit a and it feels it's, to me to, to nix yeah. the music though like yeah I, I just wonder how that happened and it, it, it there's energy waiting to burst out joe like you said and yeah. it's kind of just like there's not a lot going on um you had a funny joe you had a funny tweet about who the male lead what's his name horst buckles who i looking him up because i was so struck by the look of him he's just the most gorgeous yeah. man yes, i texted is, chris yeah. as i was watching this and i was like the good thing about fanny is that it stars the most beautiful it's uh, the most beautiful man in france is one of the main characters um, <laughs> but he was horse Buchholz was in uh most notably the magnificent seven but um right he was known as the german uh james dean that was sort of interesting the top of his wikipedia page just from the looks of him because that's he, he, he looks like of, james dean you know yeah. resembles yeah. james dean um Apparently, uh, officially bisexual in his life, which double thumbs up. Um, and <laughs> he plays, yeah, so he plays Marius and he's just incredibly handsome. And he has my favorite line in the movie because, like, he leaves uh, Fanny because he's got this opportunity to, like, go on this boat and finally, like, get out of Marseille and sort of, you know, sail the world and whatnot. And he, she then, knowing this, basically tells him like lies to him and is like i want to be with uh panice uh because he can provide for me and you should go like pushes him away yeah. to go on. and he says you marry panice and his money and i'll marry the sea and i was just like that's exactly the like <laughs> that's the cheese that i want from this movie um, yeah and i wish that and that, to your point i i wish there was a little bit more like there's scene like when when Fanny's mother finds out Fanny's pregnant, that whole scene yes. on the streets of Marseille, quote unquote, is like very melodramatic. And I was like, yeah, this let me give me some of this. I, like I like I like those question, moments because like, there are there are moments like that that like I found to be very funny. And I was kind of getting confused because I was like, does this movie know that it's funny? And I but like, I guess right. I, feel I, like in I never care you know, about that stuff. Though. I feel like sometimes I, you know, like, it does know and then sometimes it doesn't. But like, I guess my thing is, sixty years on, it's like it's it's. I feel like it's so the the con the context has changed so much. Sure. It's like, if yeah. that was there, I wouldn't even care if Logan and everybody else knew knew what they were doing. It would just be more enjoyable, right? Like, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. It, certainly certainly like Fanny's mother as the sort of uh, fisherwife uh, <laughs> with like a sales a libido woman, for yeah. for Penice. Like, yeah, like she's definitely at least supposed to be comic relief in the movie yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways and uh she's she's a, she's a trip every time she shows up but yeah there's a lot of it's there's comedy in it but there's also this like melodrama of just like what is to be done there is a baby and she's got to get married and and yada yada and i also like it's that very 1960s thing of like she's two months pregnant she's got to get married and then like the next scene the baby's already born I right was just she's like, like oh, not can't <laughs> can't even have a pregnant woman in a movie like okay yeah it's funny because i i was watching this in conjunction with finally watching being the ricardos so it was no sort god of a, like mm -hmm. it was yeah, that's sort a, yeah, of like yeah. Yeah, yeah i was like oh yeah can't, right can't exactly. show her being pregnant um it's so funny yeah i mean so i mean it there's not a whole like so there's not a whole lot to really i mean you know oscar the oscar context is interesting because like connor you mentioned it does get nominated for best picture right so yeah. that year um obviously west side story wins and um 
you got things like I'll just run through kind of some of the things. So Charles Boyer gets nominated, like you mentioned. Judgment at Nuremberg's kind of the other big movie, right? Maximilian Schell wins for that right. as best actor. Right. Spencer Tracy also nominated. Uh, for probably the 75th time. Paul Newman, The Hustler. We just talked about Paul Newman with Roxana Haddadi. Uh, listen to that episode. Stuart Whitman in The Mark. And then, you know, George uh, George Shakiris wins uh, for West Side Story. You got um, George C. Scott, Montgomery Cliff, Jackie Gleason, Peter Falk, Pocketful of Miracles. Sophia Loren wins, iconically. Um, or I'm sorry, I'm confusing things. Sophia Loren wins for two women, and then Rita Moreno wins for West Side Story. Yeah. Like, I mean, both good wins. And then Judy Garland gets nominated for the one great scene in Judgment. And then um, I'm trying. I'm just looking to see kind of what other movies. La Dolce, La Dolce Vita gets a couple noms, right? Um, yeah, that's this year. So there's a lot of good movies, right? Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins win. Jerome Robbins win for. Um, for West Side, West Side Story, Fellini gets nominated. The interesting thing about West Side Story that year is, uh, again, according to the Horst Buchholz Wikipedia page, which it does say citation needed, so like asterisk, but <laughs> says that filming conflicts, uh, filming schedule conflicts prevented him from accepting the offered roles of Tony in West Side Story oh. and uh, Sharif Ali in Lawrence of Arabia, which are the best picture winners of 1961 and 1962. So... Uh, again, wow. it's this sort of like, right, exactly. So like quite the what if. And if it's filming schedule conflicts prevented him from taking Tony and West Side Story, is it because he was filming Fanny? Like, is right. That, yeah. You know, that's a good point. Look, that's, look, dare I say, you know, Tony, this has been discussed and is obviously yes, very newly so. being discussed because the new one's out. Not God's gift to roles. OK, but Hortz Buckles as Tony, I look. Uh, I'm not I don't a huge like fan of Richard. What's his Bamer? So Bamer that right? could that yeah. could have been a, that could have been an upgrade. What's that it's story? not like it was this performance that would have been impossible to have <laughs> yeah. lived up to, yeah. right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but look, both both West Side Stories are are two of my favorite movies, right? It's it's my favorite. Yeah, the the Spielberg is is my favorite movie of 2021, and the 1961 is one of my favorite movies ever made. So it's obviously. You know, the content is fine, but it's interesting mm -hmm. to think about that. Um, and then in a similar way with Elgord in this one, where it's like, I think he's fine, but you certainly could you watch it and you think like, oh, man, like th there was someone out there who could have maybe hit these certainly, a little harder. You know? Certainly watching Ansel Elgord get blown off the screen by Mike Faced in yeah. that movie. Yeah. Is, yeah. It really makes you wonder. There's just like was you know, yeah, getting, getting blown out of the better. stadium by faced yeah. and then blown out of the like or like into the stands by Rachel Ziegler. You know what I mean? It's like you know, <laughs> right, like, it's right, like, right. Totally. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, I mean, so Fanny, that's that's Fanny, right? So that's the fifth best picture nominee, and you know, who knows what the voting was, but. But just to list the other ones, right? You had let me West just make Side sure Story, I get these right. Guns, West Side Guns Story, Never Own, The Hustler, and Judgment at Nuremberg. So it really good movies. Yeah, it's not walking out of that competition alive. I don't like you know what I, I mean. It clearly didn't, well, it was the like, only one that chance, didn't. You know, it was the only one that didn't get a Best Director nomination. That yeah, one sure. uh, that Fellini got the sort of lone director nomination. They gave it to Fellini for La Dolce Vita. They gave it to Fellini. Fellini. It, it, that's the Spielberg. Uh, what is that? The Spielberg that's video the watching here, the Jaws. Right? Yeah. Jaws. He didn't get nominated for Jaws. <laughs> yeah. And then and Fellini got nominated. For, I believe it was Armacord. 
right which i, I think, think that's right which is like yeah. his dr- it's like his kurosawa's dreams is like his all yeah. right it's like they're like nah like he's he's old he's older yeah we love fellini <laughs> they gave it to fellini i love that um I don't know what else is there to say about Fanny. I mean, Boyer's great, uh, Chevalier's good. Um, Leslie Karen's an interesting actress. Actress, like, you know, I mentioned she doesn't get nominated for Gigi. Um, she does. She did get nominated for other movies. She got nominated for Lily, and then she gets nominated for another film later in her career, um, which I can find quickly. But it's kind of funny she does get nominated only because it's it, it's really it is her in this movie. I mean, but I guess it's not. Uh, yeah, she gets nominated for the L shaped room a couple years later. There are um, also like whole sequences that she seems to disappear from, though. I which, guess for, you know, for a movie called Fanny, she's not as central to the movie as you would I suppose. Expect. That's true. Right. Yeah, and yeah. It, it kind of almost makes because I, I was thinking to myself with the with the Charles Boyer nomination, like whether or not that's category fraud or whatever you want to call it. But like part of me right. is like, well, he is like kind of in the movie the most. Because it's interesting. I was, I was surprised. And he's sort of still there. And, you know, I don't know. I was surprised to find out that he was nominated in lead actor. I would have expected a, a supporting. nomination in yeah. supporting actor and that Chevalier would have been in lead. Um, but yeah, interesting. I'm sure there were you know politics around that and maybe he was just it's uh, category fraud when they sort of level up higher than you think they are is always interesting to me because it feels like uh almost like a flex right (laughs) it's just sort of like you know uh the other way around seems not sporting but uh but a supporting character getting a nomination in in lead is is always interesting to me oh this is an interesting just from the wiki um a little bit of uh, screenwriter Julius J. Epstein had collaborated with Josh Logan on tall story the previous year, but he initially declined the director's offer to it. The writer, he declined the director's offer to adapt Fanny for the screen because he found it difficult to believe Mary uses motivation for leaving Marseille to which I would say, yeah, it's a, I get it. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a little funny. He's like, Hey, I live in this, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Right. I gotta go. Right. I gotta go. I want to go live on a boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which like, like hey man, you're big, not in you're a, not in Nebraska, Mario. A slightly better, <laughs> right. a slightly better movie, I think, would have even maybe had fun with the nuance of that. Like sure. Of like, sure. yeah, I right. get that I live in the most beautiful place of the world, but I haven't seen anywhere else, so I gotta go. And and you could sure. probably spin that into an argument where you're like, Oh, I, I don't agree, but I get it. Like and it yeah, it right. just doesn't it doesn't do the legwork to to do that. But um Yeah. A lot of a lot of time passes between our first and second movie, right? So yeah. I think it's interesting to just kind of talk about like I was kind of looking through, you know, best picture winners because kind of we were kind of talking about starting there where you just go like best picture nominees through the years are kind of an interesting I always love place that. to start for the B sides. Yeah, of I mean like, it's the reason you know what I mean. It's the reason we did Bound for Glory last year because like I always love when people think about those years. You know, it's like like that year, for instance, that's the Rocky year, right? The year that Rocky beats Taxi Driver Network and all the President's Men, which that's right. the thing everybody remembers. But nobody remembers what the other movie is. And it's bound for glory. Right. And I think that stuff is always kind of fascinating to me because you're just like, yeah, like, you know, it, 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 it what what ultimately sticks with people or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, like so I was so like in 1965. Right. Um um the movie darling gets nominated right for um 
Best Picture, which is a John Schlesinger movie with Julie Christie and Lawrence Harvey, which isn't, I mean, it's not a B-side because it's Julie Christie's becoming famous in front of your eyes among her other roles in that time period. But when you think about your point, Connor, it's like Sound of Music, Dr. Zhivago, or like <laughs> the two, right? you know, these lasting kind of masterpieces of like scale in one way or another. You kind of go like, it's funny that year has like, you could argue three like that, Ship of Fools and a Thousand Clowns. And then like, um, and then like, you know, this is probably a cheat because it's not forgotten because it's famous for what it represented. But like Dr. Doolittle got nominated for Best Picture, right? Kind of oh, represented yeah. the end of an old Hollywood thing, you know? Well, if you read that Mark Harris book, especially, it really sort of uh, exact paints that exact picture is that like Dr. Doolittle was the sort of old stu- studio system having its last gasp as the the graduate this yeah. generation that would come to kind of uh, take over the 70s was and, and what's there. funny it's crazy too because i'm just looking at it right Sidney poite r.i.p two best picture nominees that year one wins He's oh yeah in guess who's coming to dinner and in the heat of the night which is like my god what a like he and was yet, such a huge star yeah and yet wasn't nominated for his performance in either Insane. which like yeah like, especially yeah. especially in the heat of the night because the, what especially he's doing in, in the that, heat of the night it's, it's yep. what he's doing in that film you know there's a scene my dad's you know my dad's is exactly the type of person who like loves the you know in the heat of the night I guess is coming to dinner you know like sure you sure, know sure. boomer liberal like you know like it's right up his alley yep and yep. he always loved the scene in I guess is coming to dinner where Poitier's dad is like offended that he's with a white woman and he's and he right. says to him he's like I didn't work so hard all my life you know to do all this for you and Sidney Poitier has this great moment he's like you didn't work for me that was your job you work to make money like he like really like sets his dad straight and I always love that scene because like those are like those nuanced scenes that you kind of feel like in bigger Hollywood filmmaking is kind of missing a little bit like it still exists in like smaller fare and i'm not saying the yeah you know those kind of complex nuances aren't there but it's so amazing that like one of the highest grossing movies of that year that got nominated for best picture had scenes like that that right. were so complicated and meanwhile the graduates kind of helping rewrite you know the form in real time like you're saying um yeah bonnie and clyde as well yeah totally. bonnie and clyde, of course and then and then rachel rachel we talked about with newman that got nominated for best picture that's definitely could we could have talked about which is like his first oh, director's movie sure. totally a b-side who knows that got nominated for best you know best uh, picture right and then um anyway there's a lot um and then you know the mission jumping ahead a couple of decades right that is nominated in another good year. Platoon wins. And then you have Children of a Lesser God, Hannah and Her Sisters, and A Room with a View. And I would argue the mission has to be the least remembered of those five, right? I think especially because Marley Matlin won for Children of a Lesser God. Right. So you sort of remember that a little better. And A Room with a View is sort of of a type of like the Merchant Ivory. Merchant Ivory is coming into its own. Which yeah. is, and, and, and yeah, yeah. And that's like Merchant Ivory is about to have their run, you know, of like, you know, right. from like 85 to 95, where it's like Morris, you know, Howard's yep. End, uh, Remains of the well, Day. Well, it, where right? it becomes like, like a genre of movie. Right. Like yes. it's like yeah, its totally. own like it's British like, costume drama is the merchant ivory. Right. Uh, and it's like, yeah. but it's like, but it's pre surviving Picasso. You're right. It's like, it's like <laughs> right before they right. jump a shark or two, they're in right. their pocket a little bit. Not that they didn't make movies, good movies uh, after that, but 
you know, it gets a little spottier. Um, speaking of which, I yeah. just watched Le Divorce. Ah, uh, we did and that for our podcast last year. Yeah. Oh my God. What is your, I didn't listen to that episode. What was your quick <laughs> Le Divorce thoughts? Uh, I don't think we cared for it very much. It's uh, insane. It's an insane it, movie. It has such potential. And then the end is so strange with the handbag and the Eiffel Tower <laughs> and the, the gunman on the Eiffel Tower and all that sort of stuff that sort of comes out of nowhere. And it's so crazy. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie. It's a, it's a, it's movie, a movie. I mean, but, but it, I was I watching it with Kelly. It's a movie where like the the premise of the comedy is wow, the French are way different than the Americans. Can you believe it? But the movie is right. made like that. So like, if you want to, if you want to talk about that chaos of like Lost in Translation stuff, the movie right. has to be cohesive to like extrapolate that. Yeah. But the movie itself feels like it's like a the movie also, example of that. Like it's weird. The movie also really mate wants you to be concerned with a lot to do with art appraisal in that movie. And <laughs> bb newworth uh, really just chewing some scenes with god her. bless god, god bless, bless BB Newirth. we love work. Yeah. yeah but um but anyway so 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 yeah so with 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 the 80 the 1986 the 59th oscars right you have kind of a good slate here the mission is nominated for i think seven academy awards um and does win for cinematography chris menzies wins and probably deserved it's quite a stunning movie oh, yeah. to look at and the basic premise uh we won't linger on it but it's basically they're jesuits it's the mid i want to say it's the mid 1700s, 1700s. I yeah 1700 yeah or and eight, the, sorry seven, 1700s yeah, yeah. 1700s and 1870. and these jesuits um with 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 uh, the approval of spain right are in south america uh setting up missions to kind of convert these you know these natives the guarini tribe is the tribe that the movie's focused on and they live above the falls kind of away from the chaos at the beginning of the film and jeremy irons has been there for a while and he's or actually that's not true he he takes over for a priest who in the beginning kind of probably the most striking scene of the movie is nailed to a, a roped to a cross and thrown over the falls by the Guarini. And like one of the most iconic images from the movie, that was one of the posters. He's like cascading. The poster is so crazy though, because like, it is. you're right. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the priest on the crucified to the cross, yeah. uh, crucified going over Igazu falls. But it's, it almost looks, if you don't know the context of it, it almost looks comical because it's it seen from such a distance. And it's just like, it's, if you had told me that that was a poster for like a movie that was a satire on <laughs> missionaries in whatever, I was well, it's just like, like Jane like, Austen's Monty mission, Monty you know, Python's, yeah. uh, you know, right? Uh, yeah, mission to. Well, the, to what's funny is the away. other poster before I ever saw the movie, I, I so vividly had in my mind as a kid because it's it's De Niro in a swordsman's pose, like looking like right. Peter Pan, basically. And like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I always remembered that as a kid, never seeing the movie and being like, oh, what's this kind of cool Peter Pan looking movie it's called The Mission? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's up with this? And then you watch it and you're like, oh, okay. That was a little bit and of a basically on that He post, doesn't even it fly doesn't, once. It does, on that poster, <laughs> it doesn't become that movie until the last like 20 minutes. And, right, it, and yeah. it never is that movie, yeah. you know. It's never, yeah. And so he does have a duel with Aiden Quinn, though. He does. Where, it's uh... it's so funny too because so there's that Liam Neeson movie that's getting buried 
uh, this weekend. Blacklight, Black I believe Light, it's called. That yeah. Aiden oh, Queen is in, and I found that out literally after, while I was watching the mission, I I had like messaged Dan, and I kind of was just like, the fuck happened to Aiden Quinn? Like, where did, this, yeah. where did he go? And then I like saw, I didn't see Blacklight, but I just like had looked it up and I was like, oh. And it's what's crazier is. still is Aiden Quinn is in Unknown as the not Liam Neeson. Oh, right. So did they just, so, were they both in the mission and they just became So Quinn and, Quinn and Neeson. Friends. Yeah. Quinn and Neeson. Well, they're both. Been, yeah. Is Aiden Quinn also Irish or am I making things up? Am I stereotyping people named Quinn? You, I think he I, is might, American. I think he is I think American. he is American. I, if that's not the case, he does a great American accent. He's, yeah. yeah. Okay. But. Now, Aiden Quinn, you know, do you guys know Aiden Quinn was meant to be Jesus of Nazareth in The Last Temptation of Christ before he was replaced by oh, Willem Dafoe? Oh, I did not know that. That's fascinating. That's Which interesting. is interesting because Quinn's always had one of those career. Like we could do Quinn for our almost movie star <laughs> right. thing, Connor. Right? Because like sure. Quinn has always yeah. been, you know, probably the mo- the closest he ever got was Legend of the Fall. Right. Legends of the Fall, where right. he's kind of co lead with Brad Pitt. Brad Unfortunately. Pitt for him yeah brad pitt yeah is that's probably, not gonna work out well for you yeah that's probably god on earth brad pitt where it's like he's never been more beautiful like tristan in legends of the fall yep. is like i've said this before yeah <laughs> where you, like if you did a scientific like researched yep. experiment to find out the absolute apex of brad like, pitt, the male form. most beautiful yeah. man in the world it's that shot in legends of the fall where the he's hat. got the hat Yep. Where he sort of like tips the hat to Julia Ormond, and it's like it's that shot, like that is the like. Moment. And I look, I've said this before as well. Um, if you gun, if you put a gun to my head and you said who is your favorite cinematographer, I would probably say John Toll, because yeah, sure. I would wager Legends of the Fall. It for my money, it might be the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Right, like just in terms of yeah, it's not the not a masterpiece as a whole film or whatever. I like it a lot. I think the score is amazing, um, yeah. but th- for my money, that in Thin Red Line, which Toll did within y- uh, four years of each other, those might be the two most beautiful movies I've ever seen. So it's like kind of yeah. it'd be hard for me to say Toll wasn't right up there, um, you know. And so yeah, anyway, Aiden if Quinn only, is in that one. Yeah, if only Leslie Caron had showed up in that movie as like Julia Ormond's mother, then it would have been the movie that connects all three of our films. <laughs> Holy shit! Because Anthony imagine. Hopkins is also in it. Wait, I wanted to mention. Um, Oh God, now I'm gonna lose it. Who were you just talking about? Oh, who was the Aiden older? Quinn? Was it Hortz? Were we talking? Was it Hortz Buckholz? We were talking about. Yeah. One of them is in. What? One of them is in. Life is beautiful. Because I was looking it up. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's Hortz Buckholz because somebody I was looking up as well too. I was like, and I was uh, like, he's the doctor um, in Life is Beautiful. Yeah, and and yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's Hortz it, Buckholz. Yeah, yeah, Doctor yes, Lesson. So, so yes. it just makes me laugh because. <laughs> Life is beautiful. We could have done. That's like sure. another Oscar huge movie that is was remembered only because of Benini and his like. Oh, but it's campaign. so notorious. Yeah, I feel like it's too. I feel like it's too notorious. You're right. You're it's right. Too you're right. You're I mean, right. it's too you're maligned right. to be forgotten. I'll just never forget him standing on the chair. God, I'll like him winning and like running around the whatever. Like I just will never forget as long as I'm alive. Like I was like 10 years old. I was like, what's happening? What is this guy doing? He won. What did he win? (laughs) Did you guys see speaking of life is beautiful, uh, that Kirstie Alley Q and a from, uh, that was going around the other day. No, um, no. Hold on one second, because I do oh have to God. find this because it's Please the craziest it. thing. Ever. While you while you um, look for it, I'll yeah, just say so. Yeah, you, so, you, the, so bear with yeah, me. So, yeah, so so the mission is basically just to finish the quick plot. It's basically Irons. Um, he 
he ingratiates himself into with the tribe's people by playing this beautiful um, oboe, which is the the song Gabriel's oboe, arguably the greatest, most beautiful song ever written. You could argue that the score itself is Morricone's score. You could, you know, Jack Black makes the joke in The Holiday about it being from another world, the score. And in truth, it's I don't know very, how... That's the only way to describe the It's basically the right like, way to describe it. I mean, yeah. the score of the mission is... Uh, it's from another world. I mean, I, I so so that that alone is a reason to watch the mission. And it didn't win, which is like right. Just, it did lose. We didn't we look it up? It lost to a movie. It lost like to round deservedly midnight. Now. It lost which, to, round midnight. Is, I haven't look, which Dexter, I haven't seen, so I haven't you know. So but. round midnight, Dexter Gordon plays the lead, and it's the Batran Tav, Tavernier movie. I want to say, and it's and it's it's it is. It's hard to argue, right? Because it's a movie starring one of our great saxophone jazz musicians, and he does. So, and he does the score, basically. Well, he, he Herbie Hancock did the score. Oh, okay, sure. Who's one of our great? So it's one of those things. You're like, how did it lose? Then you read that, you're like, well, you're yeah, like, well, okay. in this one circumstance, it but, is. But right for my money, but, top, top five score though. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. And so anyway, so so Gabriel, who is um, who is uh, Jeremy Irons, he. Is a member of the community now. He's kind of, you know, teaching them his ways as much as he can. But he's he, he's contending with a slave trader who is Mendoza, played by De Niro. But what ultimately happens is uh, Mendoza's personal life is not going so well because he finds out his brother, Aiden Quinn, is sleeping with his affianced. And in a moment of dueling temperament, um, Mendoza kills his brother and is like plunged into a guilt-ridden like consideration of his life's work. Basically, goes to the Jesuits and is like, "I, I what can I do? Kill me? Like I want to die? What you know?" And Jeremy Irons basically converts him into the priesthood after like uh, making a penance. And then basically, what happens is the Portuguese come in and they're like, "Yo." Treaty of Spain just got signed. We get control of this land, including the mission. So we want to make all these Guarini and all the other tribes people slaves. Shut up about it. And the Jesuit priests are like, no, no. That scene we have where they s- say shut up about it is yeah. Like, when, <laughs> when 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 Chuck when Chuck Plow or whatever his name yeah, is, he's is like, like, hey, shut up. Mor- Morris yeah. from Goodfellas <laughs> is like is like, hey, sh- Jeremy Irons, shut, shut up, up about it. it. <laughs> buy my buy my wigs or whatever. Whose Goodfellas. voice, by the way, was overdubbed by uh, Fred Melamed for the movie, according was to, it uh, really okay? According I was to Wikipedia, wondering yeah. about that because I was like, yeah. this guy sounds strange. <laughs> yes and that's why yeah that is totally now i'm just trying to think of fred melamid what was his what are his lines from a serious man that i i'm trying to think of oh god there's well, you so think many of that? i found the kirstie alley oh thing. please so please it's, please it's one of those you know how like back page of a magazine or whatever would have like a q a with a celebrity and sure. for whatever reason this was when she was promoting drop dead gorgeous but the, for whatever reason the crux of this Q&A was like, what would you do if you were the president of the United States? And of course, half of her answers, it's all just like, who would be your wise counsel? Who would you look to for inspiration? And like half the answers are like L. Ron Hubbard right. and Scientology or whatever. And and how much she hates psychotherapy. And the final question is just name the movie that would be based on your presidency. And she said, life is beautiful, which... <laughs> 
if you think about that for half a second, is the craziest shit yeah, I've ever oh heard my in my entire God. life. Like, it's Kirstie. just so... Yeah. <laughs> yep. Life is beautiful. Think, God I mean, bless. Here's the thing. Do we think she's she'd seen the movie? <laughs> That's absolutely the question. That's right. Because like, it's just like, are she you just, just going the by the title? Does yeah. she love right. the title? Right. Yeah. Right. Like, does title. she know yeah. what happens in Life is Beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which Wait, I, don't can know. I, just... I think either answer to that question makes the answer great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're like, yep. it's either like she's seen the movie and that's a wild answer yep. or she hasn't seen the movie and it's hilarious. Can I? Wait, can I? <laughs> yep. Now I found, I did, I did found a perfect Sayableman quote of Fred Melamed from oh. Larry, Larry, surely, Larry, you are jesting. I think really. Yeah. the Jolly Roger is the appropriate course of action. <laughs> that Fred movie is so the great best fucking movie. movie. He's so oh my good God. in that movie. Uh, yeah. Larry, surely you are jesting. Um, <laughs> well, that's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting because just yeah. just to make sure I get his name right, um, Chuck Lowe is who I'm talking about. Right. He represents the Portuguese coming in. He plays Don Cabeza, and basically they come to blows. That's what the movie is, right? In the yeah. last thirty minutes. The mission, the 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 Guarini with the assist of Jeremy Irons, Liam Neeson, and Robert De Niro, um, going against the Spanish and the Church's wishes, they defend the mission with their with the tribes. Yeah, like turn, it like turns into the Seven Samurai. Like it's like <laughs> it turns into the yeah. Seven Samurai a little bit. Magnificent yeah. Seven, yeah, yeah. It turns into that a little bit. And you know, Roland yeah. Joffe is an interesting director, not unlike Neil Blomkamp a little bit in, in terms of kind of connecting. Oscar directors like he popped with the killing fields where it was right. like he made this movie got nominations kind of kind of a great 80s movie you know you know um yeah uh, very in powerful and then he like follows it up with the mission which you know wins the palm door um which was a bit controversial it never really gets good reviews it well, even in the moment it's, got mixed it's reviews. the score buddy that's what it is yeah and it just earns these noms which feels like a very old-timey oscar-y thing right joe would you agree with me it feels like that's the type of thing that doesn't quite does. happen as much right anymore well i mean it it sort of happens in a different way but i the fact that the mission reminded me so often of uh martin scorsese's silence and right. not just because Liam Neeson's in both of them but um sure. it it made me think of that it was just like you know how many years ago how many years later 30 years later uh, right. with silence that that movie got what one nomination or yeah. something like that yeah. in, a, in a craft category and it is a little bit different whereas you know in the 80s you could have this big sweeping epic with important themes and and not to say that like the mission is a bad movie but it's hard to see something that's so um, there's not a whole lot of edge to sure. the mission and or nuance the, or like, right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting movie. I watched, uh, I had seen the mission before in, when I was in college, I went to a Jesuit college sure. oh, wow. and so you had to take a certain number of, uh, like religion themed, like classes, not necessarily theology. Joe, could, was it, it was it affordable? It was Canisius College oh, actually oh, okay. in Buffalo, sure. um, oh, yeah. and so I forgot Canisius uh, was Jesuit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Man. Yeah, yeah, and so you had to take a certain number of course hours and classes in religions, and it could be in whatever religions. It wasn't necessarily Christianity. Um, but the one uh, class that I was in, one of the subjects in it was liberation theology, which is the uh, uh, theology of in especially in places like Central America and Latin America, sort of a, a more it, uh, progressive theology. 
relative to everything else in the church, <laughs> right, you know, whatever right. of like of uh, of moving towards things like social justice and and helping poor communities and and things like that and sort of questioning the history of the church's own history of you know missions and uh, evangelism and going into these other countries and and meddling in affairs and whatnot and so they showed us the mission and in that context it's more critical of the church certainly even among for a second i was watching it again and i was just like is this going to be one of those movies where like the church the institution of the church would have been fine if not for these like bad actors within the church right and it's not really that's not really what it's saying it really does sort of question the entire it does world view of going into these countries and then you know imposing your your structure own, yeah you know, the structure yeah politics really essentially because yeah. so much of what the movie is is essentially this this area and this tribe getting caught in the middle of geopolitics between spain and portugal and then also the church and because they couldn't figure that out like this this one area is caught in the crossfire literally. i do i do think it gets away with whatever white saviorism you want to uh, kind of put on it in the same way that dances with wolves and last samurai kind of do too last samurai being the least successful of the three i think but like yeah where they do the thing of like look this is fucked up let's just say it but you know there are these are the complicated factors that got us here and right you know if it's tom cruise if it's jeremy irons if it's kevin costner they're not going to save anybody but they can maybe help and they're affected more than they are than they're affecting you know sure these people so, so that's a very generous way to talk about those films and no that's, but I and think that's, that's my that's, opinion yeah. on it. but but it's yeah i was pleasantly surprised rewatching of that criticism and even at the end when you have the um um, and I believe it's, I want to make sure I get, is it Ray McNeil? Is it Ray McCallany? I believe that's who it is. Car he's the Cardinal. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's basically yeah. like, why did we do this? Right at the end, he, you know, he, he has approved uh, the, all, it, all right. the horrible is stuff that's happened. Is it not a little bit the hot dog suit meme? Like, for, we're all looking for someone to blame. Yeah. No, but he, like we're looking but I don't for think, the guy I don't think he, like, no, but I don't, I don't think, but that, I think what's nice about that yeah. scene is I don't think he's. I think what's implied in that scene is he knows he's to blame. Like, yeah, he, he, well, no, he I says it. He says it outright. Yeah, yeah. like the last line that's of the movie. He said because the other the other official sort of tries to right, he do that, that thing line. of just like yes. this is the world, this is the world, and we have to operate within the world. And the and uh, Magnelli is like he said, "This is the world as we've made it. As this we've is the world it. as yeah. I've made it." And that's sort of the last line of the film. And yeah, so, so, that, so yeah, that stuff is that stuff is nice and i think you know it's it's a little bit of a bummer that the movie doesn't have a lot of forward motion right i think yeah the, the where the movie suffers is and look wrong and so the reason i brought up neil blancamp was that after this movie joffy kind of just doesn't have another one right like he he makes other movies none of them really pop the same way right he does um a Patrick Swayze movie movie that maybe someone can look up for me. That City of Joy. City of Joy, which is like kind of in the same vein of this, right? It's like he, yeah. he, he definitely makes movies. Um, he makes Fat Man and Little Boy, which could totally be a This Had Oscar Buzz movie. I don't know if it got <laughs> nominated for anything, but 
Oh. I don't think so because I never. Uh, this is this was one I was looking at that and I was like I've never really heard of this one specifically even if it's a, so it's a Paul and, Newman movie. Yeah, so Fatman and the Little Boy was his follow up and and ultimately middling reviews as well. But it's, sure, sure, sure. It's Newman um, right after his Oscar and it's yeah. John Cusack and it's about the Manhattan Project, right? Like it's right, about right. it's a Fatman and Little Boy. For those who don't know, that, that's the name of the two nukes that were dropped yes. on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So 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 anyway, that movie, Bonnie Bedelia is in it. Laura Dern, young Laura Dern, um, Vilmos Zygmunt. It's like definitely uh, this had Oscar buzz in the eighties because it was like you could imagine it was like oh shit, Newman just won, like the guy who made Killing Fields and the Mission, and it just kind of didn't go anywhere. But anyway, so so Joffe basically. It, it, it talking about Blomkamp, where like when District Nine comes out, you're like, "Oh shit, guys, here he is! Right, watch right. out, this guy's coming at you." And then, kind of sadly, you're like, "Oh, I guess we were wrong." It's a little bit of the same thing in a different way with Joffe, where like, you know, he made the last kind of semi big movie he made was that movie Captivity with. You yeah. know, it was a horror movie with uh, with Alicia Cuthbert, right? It's like he's made the movie since, but right. Well, it, the yeah. Scarlet Letter though is the big one for him that really yes. uh, that does a lot of damage because it was so kind of reviled, uh, yeah, it reviled, and it was a punchline, and and yeah, and you feel even even since then, it's just a lot of he makes a bunch of movies, but they're all really low profile like Vettel was an oscar nominee and i want to say like costume or art direction or something and you're like right that. too because even goodbye lover is his like acidic comedy which like loses a right. shitload of money and is yeah. not well liked you know like he really just kind of misses for like two decades really like it's just kind of an interesting yeah. thing like um, Did we know though that Roland Joffe directed a movie with Misha Barton in it that was based on <laughs> real world events of uh, these two girls who were really into that Russian group Tattoo? No. And it was he filmed it in 08 and it didn't get released until like 2012. No, and but it I'm premiered at, at it right now. I know what I'm doing right? tonight. Never heard of it in my entire life. <laughs> it's working. It's the title, wildest thing. It's working title, Joe. As I'm sure you're seeing, is was Finding Tattoo. Yeah, yeah. Now his tattoo, everything she said, everything she said, running through my head, yep, running yeah. through my head. Hundred percent. Yeah, classic song. We all remember where we were. Um, yep. So, <laughs> so the mission, which, which, but you know, still on topic, kind of. I will say, not unlike to a lesser degree, though, Legends of the Fall. I did think a few times, wow, Bobby De Niro is firing on all cylinders in this one. The yeah. hair. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. he's a very you know, like Robert Junior, handsome guy. We know that. No, you could make like, a whole letterbox list of like hot priest movies. But like this is this two years be, before, oh, yeah. and this two be, years yeah, yeah, before yeah. Midnight Run, where he's very like, kind of middle aged, handsome. And right. I feel like you could call this like he's just very pretty in this movie. Like the hair, he's yes. very beautiful. Like, and his character is interesting. He's perpetually it's a, wet. There's it's a very. Oh, good, yeah. I think it's a very good performance actually, in the sense of like, you know. I'm a, you know, a half lapsed, waning, waxing Catholic. And we'll talk more sure. about that with with Shadowlands. But like to me, the Mendoza characters is what Catholicism is about. Right. Like the whole point to me of Catholicism or any sort of religion, but specifically Catholicism is like, hey, look, I was fucking killing people before. Right. And right. I, right. Because of because of my circumstance. I feel really bad about that. 
Jeremy Irons, what do you think? And Irons is like, look, man, tomorrow's a new day. And that yeah. is what I mean, all the bullshit, it's all the, the Fox News crap. It's the St. Paul like paradigm, yeah. totally, where it's just like, yeah, it's redemption, redemption. through finding you know this religion and you can you can make up for yeah. all of the evil things that you have done in your life and, and so that that i like about the mission and that's that's what hits me in my little you know ccd heart is like <laughs> sure is 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 I'm, is I'm like yeah that's what i learned and all this other bullshit is sure. kind of fucked up america first nonsense but like if you get to the right. core of what we're talking about whatever this is so anyway that's nice um yeah. So, yeah, Joffe ends up kind of faltering. It's nice to see Irons in an early lead role. Obviously, he makes the French Lieutenant's woman a couple years before this, which could also be in this. Uh, we could do that. We could do that next year, obviously. That's like a Meryl. That's like another Meryl. I feel like Meryl has a lot of them, right? Like she, she, was, she won for that, though, didn't she? No, no she, she, she didn't win. She was nominated yeah. for it. It was her first lead actress nomination. Right. It was right. It was the year before uh sophie's choice right and so it's, it was and, it's a, her... and it's a performance she herself has said she doesn't like of hers i don't either i don't like yeah. that movie i think it's the I think Irons is fine. yeah but yeah it's of her especially she was on such a hot streak in the 80s and having never seen out of africa but it's it's the least favorite of her 80s movies wait a me. minute joe reed you've never seen out of africa i've never seen out of africa i know <laughs> joe crazy I know it's on my list. That is the most Oscar Oscar movie in the world of like, and you know, I'll tell you what, it's a movie that, not unlike my Dances with Wolves opinion or whatever, I always feel like I I love Out of Africa, and it's like that's one of those movies every person I feel like I know is like, fucking Dances with Wolves sucks. Yep. Out of yep. Africa sucks. <laughs> the English Out of Africa was absolutely sucks. the totem for people who like hated Oscar movies in the 80s. Like that was <laughs> yeah. the one they all sort of pointed to. And Dances with Wolves was kind of that for the 90s with the Oscars. It really yeah, and now was. it's like it really was. the King's yeah. Speech or whatever, like everybody talks about. You yeah, know? and I just always laugh because I like I, I cannot tell a lie. Like the, I just those movies work for me, and I always laugh because people are like the yep. the prevailing wisdom is like, you know, those movies are fucking stupid and long. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. I can't but, debate um, long. They are long. Like, they are they're definitely long. You, know, long. Like, you can't argue with long. They're certainly, yeah. uh, they're certainly can't long. Argue. But um, yeah. but anyway, so so a few short years later, we get Shadowlands, which we kind of started talking yes. about, which is basically Joe. I can I'll let you kind of take over and talk about this, but basically, Attenborough is coming off of a pretty prolific run. I mean, he does. You know, he does Gandhi, which is the big one, but then he does like Cry Freedom. He does right. Chaplin. He's getting people nominations. I mean, he's definitely yeah. making these kind of very postured, handsome, kind yep. of buttoned up versions of not so buttoned up stories, right? When you think about Steve right. Biku or you think about fucking Gandhi, my God. I mean, you know, I think what's funny is the movie almost hurts the legacy of Gandhi because it acts like Gandhi's like this, like. Like it's like the strident tale of this guy, and like that is who Gandhi is. But when you actually read about like the shit that went yeah. down, you're like, that movie yes. is like half of what we're talking about. But right, exactly. It's but, the glossy um, version. But yeah. anyway, tell us about Shadowlands and then whatever Attenborough and all that. Sure. Yeah. So Shadowlands is about uh, it's Anthony Hopkins playing C.S. Lewis, author of the Chronicles of Narnia books. By the time we meet him in this movie, he's notable for those books, but he's a professor sort of a very kind of 
persnickety and buttoned up and has this reputation for even though he's so successful with the chronicles of narnia books he has this weird reputation for like maybe has never met an actual child in his entire life lives this very kind of uh keeping to himself kind of life he's single and he's a professor at oxford because despite being a successful author the Walden Media checks didn't clear yet for, uh, <laughs> for another several decades. Um, but uh, so in that uh, space, then he meets uh, American Jewish American poet, although she's an atheist, but uh, uh, yeah, named Jewish Joy by, Davidman by culture. Yeah, yeah. By culture. Yes. Uh, Joy Davidman played by Deborah Winger. She is traveling in England with her son. She's married, but you find out, you get the sense very quickly that it's not really a happy marriage. And um, the son, played by uh, Joseph Mazzello of Jurassic Park, who is Richard Attenborough's on screen grandchild that same year as Shadowlands, right. which is yeah. really interesting. Wild. Uh, he gets the and in this movie, which I thought was very funny, and Joseph Mazzello. So big year for big year for the kid. Um, he's, of course, a huge fan of. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, when they go to visit uh, Jack, which is C.S. Lewis goes by Jack, go to visit his house. He wants to like go upstairs in the attic and see the wardrobe. Like the wardrobe. Um, and so Hopkins and Winger in this very kind of, you know, Hopkins at that time with, you know, Howard's End and Remains of the Day, he was working this very post Hannibal Lecter, very like buttoned up. Chase. It takes a while to crack that shell. <laughs> yeah. with him. And yeah. So, but clearly uh, he and Winger are going to fall in love and they do. But in this very kind of like meeting of intellectuals way right. where she challenges a lot of his uh, he's very his he's very christian in his outlook in life and and this was sort of c.s lewis was very much known for the christian allegory in his works and whatnot he gives these sort of talks talking about how you know god meant us to suffer and that is how we you know sort of go through life and she challenges a lot of his at this point he had become very used to being sort of agreed with for everything that he says and she's you know she provokes him so they have this relationship even though it's not really a physical relationship she ends up divorcing the husband and moves to england and then before too long seemingly finds out that she has this very advanced stage cancer this is the third the the her winger's third oscar nominated performance and in two of them she dies of cancer so I know, crazy um, right it's so crazy yeah uh yeah so she's uh she's has this diagnosis she's not going to live for long they marry in her hospital room and he sort of they live out the remainder of her days it's very sad both of the performances i think are very good and then after she dies he uh has this scene he's initially very reluctant he's also his brother is sort of his closest companion Mm -hmm. and his brother seemingly has like a more sort of naturally close relationship with the kid he's more the he like deals with kids better yeah, so like he cool eventually says or whatever like, yeah, yeah and he eventually says to jack like you gotta talk to this kid you've you know you're married you were married to his mother he just lost his mom and and i know you're sad but you gotta like step out of this and and so he has this scene in the attic of his house where the kid just sort of talks about you know do you believe in heaven and and i uh, the kid says i don't but i would really like to see her again and hopkins just has this breakdown crying scene and he that same year had made the remains of the day 
And that's the movie that he was Oscar nominated for. And were that not the case, I'm 100% sure he would have been nominated for, for Shadowlands yeah, for this, because yeah. like the Oscars really were like in a very Hopkinsy place that year. And that was uh, it was a really well-reviewed performance and, and he only had an even better reviewed performance. And that's why he was nominated for that one. But so Winger gets the Best Actress nomination instead, along with a screenplay nomination for the movie. And it won it won the BAFTA as well. Which, you know, unsurprising because it feels right. very uh, British, uh, British in a way that like the remains of the day for a movie that takes place in England feels a little bit more attuned to American sensibilities mm-hmm. because it has to do a lot with, you know, America sort of entering the war. There's the Christopher right. Reeve character playing the American politician. And also because it's uh, it's Ishiguro, it doesn't feel so sort of like uh cloistered british you know keeping to our own where like shadowlands feels a little bit more of like you know you're you're in oxford with, <laughs> with yeah these well, characters and william nicholson movie. is the most british like i mean he I mean, sure when you think about yeah. what, uh, the other stuff he's written right his other nomination yeah. is for gladiator which yes, yes obviously isn't a movie set in britain but feels very much like richard burton would have been in it in 1963 yeah 100%. Right? Which, you know, nobody was more british than richard burton you know so it's like yeah that the thing you the only yeah. thing you need to know about shadowlands is like the cast at the end is like listed in order of appearance and the very first one is julian fellows gets the very first <laughs> uh casting credit at the I, end of the movie where it's just like yes i yep. texted this to dan while i was watching it one thing that struck me just a weird credits thing uh, at more so towards the beginning is that the movie goes on for about 10 minutes before the based on a true story title card comes up. Yes. Which yes. I think mm. is like kind of weird, like almost like a James Bond movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you're given, like you're basically given, you got that choir opening. You yeah. Get going with that you're given, choir. The, whole, you're given <laughs> the whole kind of intro to CS Lewis and everybody's kind yeah. of ragging on him, whatever. So you're the movie's like off and running. You know, it's not exactly like a drive my car esque thing, but uh, but it, it yeah, it's just this weird thing where it just comes on. And I I texted Dan. I was like, I feel like it's like a screener watermark when it comes on. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it should say property of Universal Pictures or, or something when it comes on. It remind this movie this this movie reminded me of it's like the British version of the joke in the other guys when Will Ferrell's singing the Irish hem at the bar and he's like, and the joke is like, all oh, the sadness of Ireland is like what the hems are about. They're he's full like, of, they're and the children all had a pink eye, you know, yeah. and it's like, this yeah. movie is like the, the the British version of like that. Where it you is just, so impossibly sad, this movie. If you were like, hey, what's, what is a it's British movie? Sad. You'd be like, oh, you seen Shadowlands, dude? Cause that's just, yeah. the, you know, and yeah. I think, but look, I mean, I I do like this movie. I think like the performances are quite lovely. I so for my money, you know, Deborah Winger, uh, Joe, you referenced uh, uh, Terms of Endearment earlier, which was her yeah. um, first nomination, where she second content- nomination or second. She had been sorry, nominated what? for Officer and a Gentleman. Oh the year God, of course, that. of course. Yeah, yeah. My mother would be so mad at me if I if she heard this. <laughs> Mom, I'm yeah. sorry if you're listening. Um. Yes, of course. But so so she gets nominated for terms and she loses to Shirley McLean famously. McLean goes up there and is like, I deserve this because they didn't like each other. It's a and great speech. Great speech. She does compliment. Well, she compliments Winger in a really interesting way in that speech, which I will always remember because she says, you know, our bond on set was so 
strong that for for a while there i felt like i had two daughters but she says i loved to work with the turbulent brilliance of deborah winger and so famously they did have a very contentious relationship on the set so if you know that like turbulent brilliance really is a fairly loaded term sure uh, Which, but in that's, that context I think, uh, good for Shirley mcclain who's always been quite honest in her career oh it's a great oscar speech one of my like all-time favorites it is a great yeah. oscar speech um yeah we talked about last time we we did talk about maybe on the opposite side but it's great and it's only the juliette binoche from 96 or whatever where she was a shock win and she's like yeah i thought lauren was gonna win she like points to lauren mccall like in this yep yep it's great um that's also great but anyway so so for my money deborah winger in terms of endearment may be if if not the one of the greatest cinematic performances i've ever seen like when people ask me like she's oh, fantastic you like me he's like what, yeah. what what was you know it's an impossible question but like what are some of your favorite performances the ones that i always say are my go-tos are deborah winger in terms of endearment because it feels like so that character feels so like a real person you're just like yeah i that person could walk out of a house and i'd be like oh yeah there she is and yeah. then the other one's a little bit weirder but and i've said this before on the podcast steven dorf in somewhere is is the other one that I always, uh, I always oh mentioned. yes I just think I that's love that movie. the most beautiful yeah. performance I, I've ever seen I, I can't really even explain it I just think whatever yeah. Sofia Coppola did I can't even explain it it's like it's perfect I think anyway, yeah but so I really like Deborah Winger is the point like she she <laughs> yes. was you know termed difficult probably because of the, the term set it's a, I always think it's messed up a little bit obviously it's unfortunately common with a lot of uh a lot of actresses during that time um yeah but like she's great in a movie like black widow which is underrated right she was in a lot of good stuff shadowlands comes kind of after her star has begun to fade she gets a nomination and i think she's really good this is very much the type of role she crushed which is like she's spunky she's challenging right she's meeting meeting her co-lead at their eye level right it's like Yes. Anthony Hopkins was never more powerful, like you said, in this moment. So it's nice to see them square off. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, Especially when you consider it's like Emma Thompson, who's very in in, in her own ways like that, you know. Yeah. uh, Only the year before with Howard's End, there's a little bit of that, which is, yeah, obviously it's different in Remains of the Day. But Howard's End, you get a little bit more of this, which is like totally She's challenging him. Challenging. So... That's what I liked about it. And then, like like I said, as like a half-lapsed Catholic, I'd like it too. Like C.S. Lewis, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis, right? I, I, sure, I, I sure. read Mere Christianity. I read The Great Divorce. He wrote a book about mourning in real life after losing her. And that is kind of what this movie – Shadowlands is in reference to a, the book by – I'm gonna make it's get a this reference right. to a quote from, I believe, one of the Narnia books. I think it's the last Narnia book. But but Sibley, Brian Sibley wrote a book called Shadowlands, the true story of C.S. Lewis and Joy David Mint. But you're right. The, the, the It comes the, from the, a quote. It comes yeah. from from uh, yeah. uh, one of Lewis's books. And I think it's just one of these movies, right? It's handsomely made. You forget about it, right? It's why we talk about it on this podcast, Connor. Yeah, would you totally. as as a, as a as a lapsed Catholic yourself, Connor? What do you think? It, yeah, and as someone who got are we all lapsed Catholics? I think we're, we're lapsed. Interesting so, on, so are we lapsed? I'm, I'm glad here? this is coming up yeah. because when you picked this, Joe, 
I wasn't. I, I was like, I was like, I think Joe, I was like, I think Joe's Catholic. And I was like, oh, we're just going to be a bunch of little Catholic <laughs> yep. boys just talk, yep. talking about C.S. Lewis. Um, so I'm glad we're, we're here. a Buffalo, no. Buffalo adjacent Catholic, Catholic yeah. Yeah. boys chatting about uh, C.S. Yeah. Lewis. <laughs> no, I, I like this. I think this is probably my favorite of the three that we of watched. The three, yeah. um, I do think, like I mentioned before, it's too long. Like, I, I think that, yeah. you know. Yep. I, I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not going to re-edit the movie or whatever. But so I think, you know, obviously there's ways to skinny up there. But even when it started to drag, to your point, Joe, about the performances, like I could not deny their effectiveness. Um, and especially it's funny. The scene in the attic is great. The one that got me more because I was just so struck by the camera work is it's I think it's before Winger dies, I guess. Spoilers, whatever. Uh, or yeah. not. Not so much. Uh, but nah. but it's before she dies and he's sitting down and he's talking. I forget if he's talking to his brother or a priest or something, you know, uh, like that. And he's talking about how he like did like really didn't get to love her properly. Right. Because of just yeah. him being so stuck in his ways or whatever. And it's just this take on his face and he's got those fucking Hopkins bug eyes and he's like trembling and they're filling up with tears and they're overflowing and you're just like, and it, that's where I thought you, you made a, you made the other guys comment down, but I, I immediately went to, um, fucking Tropic Thunder. Cause the minute that happened, I was like, that's the stuff that accolades are made of. Like it's just, <laughs> it legit is like an Oscar close up. Like, and I know well, yeah. well, yeah, when, 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 when Downey Jr. is watching him, him finally perform the thing. He's like, yeah. he's like, it's acting one oh one, but he's like, now nah, he does this. The audience can connect. He's yeah. like, it's basic stuff, but you know, I gotta start somewhere. It's, so, good. so, so, but Hopkins crying to your point, Joe, like I, he got nominated for the, the other performance, but I yeah. immediately I was like, that's going to that that'll be the Oscar clip. Like if he gets nominated, yep, kind of totally. thing. It's, like, it's that kind of scene. Yep. And yeah, I mean, wingers wingers, I think the highlight of the movie for sure. I had this weird uh, sort of like connecting the dots conspiracy theory moment where I realized that David Strathairn plays Joe Mazzello's dad in two movies after oh, this. River Wild. Yeah, because uh, he's River Wild. And then he's revealed to be his actual dad in um Simon oh my Birch. God! You're right. right, Simon Birch. And oh wow, he's the priest. And, the then, priest. and hang on, hang on. Yeah. And then the David Strathairn goes on to star in the remake of Nightmare Alley, written by William Lindsay Gresham, who is Joy Davidman's ex-husband. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when that's she's... some galaxy brain <laughs> business right there. I, 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 so now, wow. so what happened is Joe Joe took the Charlie Day board and mailed it to Connor. <laughs> no, it was like and... a weird. Now, now I'm going to be perfectly honest. This was the other night when I had watched Kimmy, and then Shang Chi, oh, and then this right. movie. So I was a little drunk, uh-huh. but my brain was unlocking all sorts of shit while I was watching it. But wow, that's um, very interesting. Yeah, that's very that's interesting. Yeah, because Shatheran is great. Shatheran is great in uh, Nightmare Alley. In Nightmare Alley, but it was just new, a weird. It was like a weird like. <laughs> it was like the fucking whatever the meme with the red eyes that escalates. Like it was just kind of like the, yes, the Vince McMahon. Yeah, the Vince meme. McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meme. Like that's what it was. Oh yes, 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 yes. Where I was yes, like, yes, yes, where yes, I was yes, like yes, oh, David Shatheran played Joe Mazzello's dad in two movies after this, and then. 
you was, absolutely could a, have seen like Strathairn <laughs> on a phone call in one scene in this movie or something. Right. Joe, yeah. uh, Joe Simon, to me, Simon Birch is like season 60 of this at Oscar buzz where you get <laughs> oh, we'll definitely have to do it. <laughs> we'll definitely to, like, have to do it. You get to Mark Who's, Steven Judd? Johnson. Is actually Judd the mom in there? No, actually, she's Judd. the mom. She's the mom. Yeah. She's the mom. Yeah. yeah. We always Jim, look Jim for Carey, an excuse to talk Jim about Carey is Simon Birch, a hot priest movie. Yes. Right? Ah, Along, alongside good, the mission. Do you put it I'll I'll make the letterbox list right now. Um Yeah, because Sir Theron is the is the <laughs> is yeah, spoiler. The, I mean, you which you know yeah. you know, Simon Birch, for those who don't know, is a of a extremely watered down adaptation of the John Irving book A Prayer for Owen Meany. A prayer Meany. for Owen Meany. Yeah. And Owen Meany obviously is the name of the character in the book, which they changed to Simon Birch, which I kind of get. Owen Meany's a tough cinematic name, I get. But like, but um that was the time of Irving. That was Birch, Cider House, and then three yep. years later, Door on the Floor. Yes. Um, which is the, that's the first part of A Widow for One Year, which is a great book. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this is Irving Cast. We're going to talk about <laughs> um, what are other books by him. But I do love The Door on the Floor. We I did an episode on the that door very early on, but I love that. Movie. I love yeah. The Door on the Floor. Yeah. The Door on the Floor yeah. is. I think a great example, because we were talking about this uh, in a recent episode. I can't even think of of what the context was. Connor, maybe you'll remember. Oh, you know what? It was with Adrian Brody. We had Adrian Brody on, and we were talking to him about Love the Hard Way. Um, he was talking about his movie Clean, and and we paired it with um, a B-side from his past, and we talked about Love the Hard Way. And we were talking about that kind of beautiful moment in indie cinema where you, you would get these small movies that like you could really – not that you still have it now, but like – it was that very specific, like early aughts time, you know, the half Nelson yeah. years is what I was mm. kind of saying. And like the door yeah. on the floor for me is like a great representation of that because it's like, oh, three, it's basing her in a good role, like six years after the nominee or after the win, like Bridges hasn't really popped back out yet. He's kind of like coming off of Blabowski a little bit. And it's like, yeah, he's so acidic in that movie. Like you don't see Bridges do that anymore. Like he's so fucking mean. It's like. She's yeah. great. John Foster's like, maybe this is the next Tom Cruise. And then he was right. It, we, you thought, know? Like, we thought he'd be the Foster who, uh, who we yes, got. We, did. Ben, we really did. Ben, ben stole his lunch. Yeah. Ben, Ben stole his brother's lunch. Um, anyway, yeah. Dorian Ford, high recommend for sure. I forget you guys did that. That's right. I forgot that Todd Williams, right? Todd Williams, who directed the, the quite more problematic adventures of Sebastian adventures Cole. Of Sebastian Cole. <laughs> yep. Which they like nothing, filmed where I'm nothing from. Nothing of note after. Like, yeah. Yeah, he did like a paranormal activity, I believe. Yeah, that's like Speaking all Speaking of uh, where yes. you're from, isn't uh, Joe Mazzello's from where you're from? Joe Mazzello's Yeah, from... Joe Mazzello's yeah. like a, like an adjacent Poughkeepsie boy. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting because ah. that's yeah, where I'm from. I have seen him in church once or twice over the years. Yeah. Oh, that's So, cool. you know, not as lapsed as I claim apparently as I <laughs> made that comment. But um, I'm looking at yeah. the the nominees that yeah, the Shadowlands here and it is I mean, unrelated, but it is wild that The Fugitive pulled out a Best Picture nomination in a time of five slots. That's yeah. awesome. Highly, <laughs> like, highly deserved. No, it's, yeah, yeah, you're I mean, right. The like, amazing, but it's that's surprising. Right, but it's an action. Yeah. It's an action drama. Yeah. And yeah. And Joe, yeah. Joe, speaking of speeches, doesn't in that speech, doesn't isn't that iconic? Because Tommy Lee Jones makes a comment that he's not really bald. Right. Isn't that the speech? Because he had. 
Yeah. Cause he had had, he had uh, done his hair for Cobb for, to play Ty Cobb yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in that movie. And he does in his Oscar speech, he's just like, just so you know, I'm not really bald. <laughs> yeah. Like for all the casting age stuff. That, yeah, yes. Which I do love. I always love that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Cause he's like, yeah, that's like Abe Vigoda didn't get a role for three years. Cause the trade said he died. Right. It's like, that's like semi real things. Um, wow. But yeah, the fugitive getting nominated. Andrew Davis's the fugitive. Yeah. Yeah. Underrated Fantastic. director. Why? Um, yeah. So those are the three. I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, so, you know, Winger never wins, right? I think right. That's, a, that's a little sad. I think Rachel getting married, there was a moment there where you thought, okay, she's got that great scene. Um, probably should have been nominated. But what a career. I mean, she was in The Lovers semi recently, which she's is so a, good a, in that movie a movie too. I really oh, like yeah. a lot. Um, so she's she, still she shows up. She's sort of because she was kind of famous for a while for having sort of stepped away from Hollywood and disappeared. Uh, Rosanna Arquette had made that documentary called Searching for Deborah Winger, which was uh, sort of used Winger's situation as a jumping off point of what happens to actresses when they age out of a certain castable range in Hollywood, which is a really interesting documentary if anybody wants to go. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm watch check it. that out. That's cool. Um, but uh, she kind of becomes this sort of avatar for uh, Dan, as you mentioned, the sort of, you know, actress who is labeled as difficult and is, you know, kind of she walked away, but also it's like Hollywood kind of walked away from uh, her, too. And it gets into things like, well, with so few good roles for women, can you blame women for a being really, you know, concerned with how, you know, her her performance and her role is going to be handled by men she's working with so like clearly like that's where these like difficult right that's where the uh, reputations comes come from. about yeah. right but then she's she's gone back and like she'll she'll pop up every once in a while and like it's not rare she works decently regularly now and it's just yeah, in she was in the ranch sort of that show small roles right she was on that show the ranch which i you know she was uh, in uh, weird, Kajillionaire, a, wasn't she? She was in Kajillionaire. Yeah. She was in The Lovers. Uh, she's really great in Rachel Getting Married. That was, yeah, I definitely, she was part of this. Every once in a while, I'll feel like you'll see somebody in a role in an Oscar-y sort of movie. And it's a veteran actress playing the mom. And I'm like, well, clearly this is like, this is a path towards a nomination. Cause you see that a lot with supporting actors, the uh -huh. sort of like the older man. And I think of winger in that movie. I think of Diane Weist in rabbit hole Jim. and Barbara Hershey oh, wow. in black swan. black swan. And it's just like, it kind of blows my mind that none of those have when it's just like, yeah. Um, but I mean know, like, like, so like, like, like this run in the eighties is wild. Like urban cowboy. Okay. Yeah. Cannery Row, which is not a great movie, but it, but a but a wonderful book and an interesting performance. An Officer and a Gentleman, Terms of Endearment, Legal Eagles. Those are all uh, big movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Black Widow underperforms, but it's pretty good. Like Betrayed with with uh, Tom Berenger, and then you know, kind of then you get the Sheltering Sky, which was the the Bertolucci after Last Emperor. Right. Mm -hmm. Her and Malkovich. Right. Another one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Actually, not a not not a great movie, but but stunning to look at. Uh, the Sheltering Sky. She makes an underrated Steve Martin movie called Leap of Faith, which I would recommend anybody watch. It's kind of an underrated movie. Dangerous Woman almost gets her nomination, and then Shadowlands. It's the yeah. same year, right? I think so. It's a little bit like like you talked about with um, with Hopkins, where it's like she gets it right. for Shadowlands. 
And then her last Dangerous Woman, directed by Stephen Gyllenhaal, and I believe both of the kids are in that movie. Are in that both one? I think you're right. Maggie and Jake are uh, are their kids in that movie. And that's yeah. the one. Oh, right. That's she. That's oh my god, Barbara Hershey is in that movie. That's that's yeah. where that's where it all connects. Is Barbara <laughs> Hershey and Deborah yeah. Winger in the movie together? Which is I always think of them together for some yeah. reason. Um, but and then the movie she makes after Shadowlands is Forget Paris with Billy Crystal, a movie which I is like. sort of the movie like, like yeah. post. When Harry met Sally, can Billy Crystal get Do another again. sort of like rom-com? And I think that is an incredibly underrated movie. That I you never totally really hear talk agree about. with you. Yes. It's on TV kind of a lot. And every time it is, I will absolutely watch that whole movie. It, is a, so it is a good movie. And it's a funny thing where like it just felt like the world was kind of like, all right, Billy, we're good, right? We're good, Billy. Right. And it was kind <laughs> of it's a bummer yeah. because it is a good, lovely little movie. And I just think by 95, maybe it's just, I don't know, like the juice kind of ran out for him. I don't know. But it's like, yeah. Can somebody at some point do a podcast series on the films of Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel? Because like, it's such a, (laughs) it's such a vibe of like 90s movies where it's like, uh, well, it's, it's goes into the eighties too. Joe, not to mention they wrote, they wrote a movie called Vibes. Oh shit. They did. You're right. You're totally right. so, So to your point, so you got... So quickly, you got Night Shift, Splash, right. Spies yep. Like Us, Gung Ho, right? Yep. Vibes, which you just mentioned, uh, which are Cindy Lauper and yeah. Vibes. Yeah, right? so Cindy Lauper, our buddies, Jeff our buddies Golden. over at We, yeah, our buddies over at We Hate Movies, um, did Vibes somewhat recently, I think, or or in their repertoire, uh, they did Vibes. That's uh, yeah. And then they write Parenthood, City Slickers. They write Mr. Saturday Night, which is all another good kind of Billy uh, Crystal movie. A League of Their Own. League of Their Own, of course. Greedy, which is not a strong picture if you've ever no. seen Greedy with <laughs> Michael J. Fox. and With Michael uh, J. Fox, Gabrielle uh, Anwar. And right? it's, no, no, that's, that's for Love or Money. Oh, G- shit, you're greedy, right. Well, greedy honestly, is, is Nancy Travis. Gre- yeah. Greedy is Nancy Travis and Kirk Douglas. Oh, yes. wow. And it's not a yeah. strong picture. I believe D.B. Sweeney is also in that one. City Slickers 2, Forget Paris, Multiplicity? Yep. Ed TV? Where the Heart yep. Is? Come on, guys. They're Where re- the Heart Is, man. They're Natalie Portman's living entire... at a Walmart. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the thing. I always confuse it. Is it which one is anywhere but here? That's the Sarandon always... one, right? Anywhere but here is road trip with mom Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Where the heart is is she lives has a baby Walmart. living Walmart in the Walmart with story. Ashley Judd. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, the, and that was a real story, right? There was a woman who I believe so. Yeah. I believe that's right. Oh. But that's like a fantastic filmography. It really of, is like popular movies that everybody saw and yes, and has like you never quite think of them as sort of like auteur type screenwriters, no. but like. There's a vibe throughout those movies. Yeah. That again. You can you know, can uh, you tell me their last? I mean, maybe you're looking at it. Their last credit. I am. I, oh, I am. It's a tw- wild last 2010s? credit. 2010s. <laughs> 2010s. Tooth Fairy. The Tooth wow. Fairy. Which yeah. which has to be that to me that reads is they wrote a script that then got reworked a billion. <laughs> oh yeah, times. there's like six credits. Right, like that one was yeah. sitting on a shelf like, somewhere for a decade. Yeah. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. I just but love they're the, the only screenwriters on uh, the Farrelly Brothers' Fever Pitch, which was based on uh, the British one, the the first. British one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the Nicholas. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the writer Hornby, Nick Hornby. Hornby, thank yeah. you, Nick Hornby. Um, yeah. And I just love the idea of somebody at Walden Media being like, "What was that movie 
that Babalu wrote about was it the Tooth Fairy movie? Do you think we pull can that get... script off of a pile somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Like, we think yeah, Michael. What about what's Mike Lembeck doing? He's not doing anything, right? Do you think we could squeeze some? Do we could squeeze some juice out of that stone? What's that yeah. wrestler who wants to be a movie star? He made that one yeah. successful movie, and then it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna rock. lobby uh, Griffin and David at Blank Check to do their to do a screenwriter series and just do uh, that's a good Gans idea. Do it. I do I feel like yeah. love really it. Good. Well, it would be akin. It wouldn't. Would it not be akin to their the disney the two disney right they, sure that's I mean, similar yeah. right it's like it's yeah. like there the, there's an auteurism in there somewhere that you could probably yeah. you know probably mine out um totally yeah that's yeah. that's a good idea so final oscar thoughts yeah i mean deborah winger good uh for me for me the mission is probably my favorite put that, of the on, three. A, put that on a fucking bumper sticker deborah, deborah winger, winger deborah winger good <laughs> deborah i mean it's true yeah. hey it's yeah. true today it'll be true tomorrow um yep Fanny, uh, probably my least favorite, though. I think there's something about all these that you can kind of grab onto. I like, you know, there's I, a quality in all of them. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. F- yeah. Fanny for being eight billion hours long and, <laughs> and not not great. I was like, there is something about this movie that's that's got I, me. I was uh, both a little bored hooked. and captivated at the same something. Time. Yeah. I, I, I will say right. that just, it's an odd just, combination. But yeah. the technical something name horse, the, the something technical name horse buckle. Yeah, Horst might have been the, the <laughs> yeah. part of that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'll mean, Horst, I can sure. tell you for sure Horst was a big I do part think, of it for me. I mean, is is it not, is is the mission not like the staple of if a movie looks good enough and sounds good enough, everyone's just going to get tricked into believing it's amazing? I But not anymore, though. Maybe back then. I That was kind of what I was saying. I yeah. don't know that that happens anymore. But yes, I mean, of course, I think there are other examples um that you can point to but like i think if that were true only seven years later or whatever bringing back something we talked about i think legends of the fall would have gotten nominated right because right, sure. it's yeah. like that's a stunning i do, I do think movie. though like this is a movie that i stick up for but i think a lot of people would probably point to something like warhorse and be like that still you know it still does so. happen sure, sure. today but that movie is better than that though I like Warhorse a lot. Listen, I'm you don't a have big to sell fan me. of Warhorse, but yeah. like I think I think a lot of people would port, sort of point to that and just be like, "That is a you know handsome movie made by yeah, a yeah. director who the Oscars really love." And it's true, it's true. Yeah, I remember when Munich. So Munich is is probably my favorite Spielberg movie. I was just listening to the speaking of the score. I was listening to the score earlier today. Yeah, that movie. If you remember in 05, it got it slid in at the last minute because they released it like right at the end. Yeah. And I remember yep. there was that like nagging thing of like, oh, well, they got the fifth slot because of Stevie. And it's like, it, and that those narratives bother me because then you look back at Munich and you're like, yeah, it's like the most complicated, interesting movie he's ever made, right? Like you're like, you know, whether or not you like the movie, what he's trying to do in it is so yeah, it's like not there's nothing easy about it is the point right we're like some of my favorite spielberg movies are the ones that people think he just sort of like got like lucked into a best picture nomination because i feel the same way about the post and that was another one where it was like is it going to be finished in time or whatever and right you're right you're right you're right it gets the best picture nomination but not really a ton else streep is nominated but a lot of people were sort of down on that movie and i was just like guys like this is didn't a get that didn't it get that great spielberg wild, movie. Uh, screenplay nomination cuz it was like a first time screenwriter or something like that did liz hannah get was nominated it? for that did she i maybe i'm making that up or maybe she was just getting sort of 
because jo- it was Josh, it. it was it was it was her her script. It was called the Papers. Josh Singer, right? And, and then Liz they Hannah? brought on Josh Singer because because Singer wrote Spotlight, right? And Liz Hanna had written it was called the Papers, and it yeah and maybe it was and it was one of those quick things where you know Spielberg because he still can have this power. Like it got to Spielberg, and like within the within the course of like two months, yeah. it was like. Let's just make this. Yeah, thing. maybe it didn't get nominated. Maybe I just like remember. I'm sure Griffin I remember and David reading. About it this didn't on, get. On it didn't Check. get nominated, but it should have gotten nominated. Yeah, yeah it was just. Um, it was just Streep and Best Picture. Those were the only. That's two funny. For the wow, post. that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so I always think of that with Munich, where then I'm like, well, that's not fair. And More Horse is a similar thing. But I mean, yeah. So I guess as we finish up, I mean, so Joe, what would be the most pleasant surprise of a win? in the 2022 academy awards what do you think like i oh, realistic or not i guess I, I i was trying to think about this earlier i guess like for me it would be i mean i was gonna say something with drive my car but i feel like if i'm being honest with myself that might not be true there might be kind of a more interesting answer to be honest i'm looking at the nominees now i think the one that would br- make me the actual happiest, even though, like, I think Ariana DeBose is phenomenal in West Side Story, mm. and I would be certainly happy for her to win. But, like, Kirsten Dunst getting a surprise win yeah. for Power of the Dog would make me the actual happiest. Like, that's I would great. be, yeah, that's a good one. Just, I'd be a puddle on the floor. I'd be so, like, just weeping for joy. It'd be great. And are we talking about this in the context of, like, whether or not it'll actually happen? <laughs> no, no, no. It can be. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, like looking any, at the nominees right now. I'm sort of shocked. Like it won't happen, but like West Side winning Best Picture would be fucking right. would rule. Would be amazing. Like, would I feel yeah. like yeah, I would maybe cry because I would just be like, nobody yeah. saw it, but it's great. <laughs> yep. Like, you know, like Yep. Uh it's true. What if I think like to, like Troy is. Troy Kotzer winning for Coda would be cool because sure. I do I That'd do be think cool. he he was one of my favorite I didn't do a favorite performances. Um I didn't I didn't contribute to that for the film stage or anything, but but if I had to make my list, he would be in my top five. I think he's he so could good win, especially now because like Cody Smith McPhee's been the front runner, but now that Jesse Plemons is nominated, it could complicate yeah, that it. could split votes. That could definitely because uh, that would just be things. a cool and I just love the Marley Matlin of it all, where like she championed the movie so hard yep. and like she's yep. the one who won a million years ago and like that's just been nice to see that movie. I don't love that movie, but but I don't but I like it, you know, and I, I, like, I like the story. Yeah. I like the story of you know, yeah. the story of the movie. And so if he wanted that would be my vote for like and maybe it could happen, like you're saying, Joe, that'd be nice. And so Oh, Will Smith um, is nominated twice this year. I didn't realize. Yeah, because he produced yeah. King yeah. Richard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. King Richard yeah. getting that best picture nom, I like that that to me is very surprising like in the sense is it of just because like everybody watched no, no, no. it it's not it's you not know, surpri- like, like like the 10 nominees makes it not surprising but just that t- no other movie feels more like it's all about the performances sure more than king richard to me like talking about shadowlands like sure. ingenue ellis and him are great and i'm happy they're nominated but like as a full movie i find myself going like okay yeah i guess I like you know. the movie better than I like his performance. Oh, that's I feel like I may be an outlier on this. Oh, I that's don't think his, I don't like Will Smith in that movie. I love wow. Will Smith I, I think but he's I, probably going to win. Don't you think he's probably going to win? Right? Oh, absolutely. I'll he's say absolutely it. I'll say yeah. it here. 
and I feel hesitant because it comes off as shitty because he's, of course, like the white dude in the movie. But I think John Bernthal fucking rules. Oh, like Bernthal's good. I think it's yeah. such a good performance. <laughs> yeah, Bernthal's um, good as Rick yeah. Macy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of it. I mean, so Joe, you know, obviously this had Oscar buzz. Everybody listened yeah. to it wherever you listen to your podcast. You and Chris are great. It's It's like... I don't know when I first listened to it. Obviously, we've known you guys on and off through trivia and podcasts and whatever for many, many years. Right, but like, right, right. I remember when yeah. you guys were doing it, I was like, yeah, this is like, like, it's such a great framework for talking about the movies that uh, I feel like there, I haven't looked, but there must be overlap where it's like when you talk about B-side movies. Yeah, you oh, guys, yeah totally. You yeah. guys talk about, you know, your Mona Lisa smiles, which which is like. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, that where you go like, oh, that didn't get nominated because you remember it being like everybody yeah. thought it would have gotten nominated and it didn't, which is yeah. such a great. We were this close to show. a House of Gucci episode. Oh, so tantalizingly yeah, close. So, well, we did. We recorded our uh, class of 2021 episode yesterday. So oh, good. Okay. We take a break and sort of go through Have the nominations and every everybody that uh, album films that didn't get anything. Did you guys and know that was? That Gaga, Go she. Did you guys know that she uh, studied the Lee Strasberg <laughs> method? Get out of here! That's crazy. The, did you guys hear about that? The, I had no idea. Yeah, so it's so crazy. Uh, it hasn't really been covered. She hasn't talked about it. At wait, all. wait, wait, wait! But not, but not at Circle in the Square, right? Like, yeah, yeah, so don't, hey, don't Joe, tell me that. On. Yes, dude. That's crazy. Yeah, that's Joe. crazy. You wouldn't, you can't believe it, lady. Oh. Stephanie, Stephanie. <laughs> Stephanie. That was like yeah. I, I tweeted earlier today. Will Smith and his like uh, NY Times, like New York Times. Uh, he has a quote about, "Oh, I was happy about the nomination." He, there was a thing like Will Smith has said he 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 he's worried he wouldn't be able to make something as good as uh, the pursuit of happiness, and I was like, Will, Will. <laughs> yeah. Will. Well, you sometimes well you made stuff better than the pursuit of happiness. Well, this is my story that I probably told too many times, but like about actors don't have a good perspective on their own careers. On their own, I yeah. met, I met Bradley Whitford once at a. Uh, it was a reading of a play that Mary Louise Parker was in, and he was there to see it because they know each other from uh, West Wing, and so um, met him. I had this was a, a late. This was in 2013. Uh, or mm -hmm. no, it was late 2012. Cause I said to him, I said, you were in, uh, one of my favorite movies of this year. And he said, Oh, what's that? And I said, the cabin in the woods. It was really, I thought it was really fantastic. That was really good. And he just goes, huh, that's interesting. And he sort of like said a little <laughs> nonplussed that somebody would have liked that movie so much. And he goes, I tell you the movie that I made that's coming out next year. It's the best thing that I've ever done. It's the best, it's the best script that I've ever seen for a movie come across uh, for me that I've been in. And uh, I said, what's that? And he says, saving Mr. Banks. It's called saving Mr. Banks <laughs> oh it's coming God. out next year. And I was just like, and I always think about that. And it's just like the act from their perspective. It's a totally, it's a totally it's a, different it's a world. Run. They are, they are yeah. forest for the trees sometimes. And but I think it's, it's it speaks to the craft a little bit, right? Where it's like they're totally. doing they're doing one thing, and it's like they're coming at it from a totally opposite end of the, the looking glass than you are as a as a as a viewer. Yeah, yeah, it's an yeah, it's a great point though. And look, I mean, I've said this before in the podcast. Like you know, when I was a younger man, I read a lot of scripts and I did coverage for like different internships and stuff, and like I saw, um some of those scripts get made into movies. And one of the more interesting scripts I ever read in my time was a script called Frank and Lola, which got made into a Sundance movie like, you know, seven years later. 
and it's uh, just a a blah movie, right? It's like not yeah. a great picture. And I always think back to my glowing coverage of the script, and I think like, yeah, like that's the deal, right? It's like it's it's all yeah. part of a process. Like the acting can be one thing, the whatever, and it's like, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting. Uh, to think about it in that context. Um, so yeah, and Joe, you just add Joe Reed on Twitter, right? At Joe Reed on Twitter. Yeah. If you want to check out the podcast, we're on Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Nice. And yeah. Yeah. Listen, you guys are, yeah. We, Thanks we, for having we, me. This oh, was great. Cool. Thanks Thank for coming you. on. It's, yeah. it's been awesome to, to talk about these movies. Um, freaking Shadowlands, man. Um, and then me <laughs> at DJ Mecca, um, writing things on the film stage interviewing people doing the usual thing got a kelvin harrison jr interview he's in cyrano christian playing christian nice good interview that'll be out i think if you're listening next couple weeks um and then yeah fathom stories my short story little podcast we got a new episode coming in a couple weeks i've talked about already so look for that and then uh connor as ever over to you for the to send us out yeah yeah uh you can find me on twitter at scruffy looking you can find this podcast on twitter and facebook at tfs b-side if you like what you've heard wherever you're listening please rate review and subscribe we greatly appreciate it uh if you have any suggestions comments concerns you can shoot us an email at b-side b-s-i-d-e at the film and uh yeah joe thank you so much again i'll just thank have you. to say yeah. joe reed what you did for me you changed my life, truly. This means so much more to me this time. I don't know why. I think the first time I hardly felt it because it was all so new. I owed a lot to the Sweet cast, God. to my players, to Lindsay oh and John and Danny and Ed and Amy and my little <laughs> friends, Jenny and Yankton. I owe a lot to my family for holding me together and loving me and having patience with this obsession of mine. But I want to say thank you to you. I haven't had an orthodox career and I've wanted more than anything to have your respect. The first time I didn't feel it, but this time I feel it. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. Oh, Thank God. you. Brutal. I love it. <laughs>